Constructionist Radio presents The War Room, where we discuss tactics for strategic Christian living. Oh yeah, yeah. Uh, the 
Bruce will walk right up to your doorstep, and um, it's, it's kind of like the Wild West out here. But uh, it, in a weird way, too, because there's kind of some big city elements. So it, it's a cool place. You gotta, you gotta bring the rig out here. <laughs> well, I'd have to either go through Canada, or I'd have to take the the uh, ferry on, up the Inland Passage. Uh, that and uh, but. No, I mean, I've got a friend who moved up there, and, and it has a certain appeal, I guess. Uh, but the thing that's unappealing are the the long dark winters, uh, and, and unless there's good, great snowing, great skiing. If there's great skiing, then I, you know, I could kind of be down for that. But uh, but uh, now your your gym located uh, outside of Anchorage there. Uh, and by the way, I presume that your is your wife your photographer. Uh, because some of the poses that I've seen you on some of these mountains and things, I'm thinking, well, that wasn't a selfie, that's for sure. Well, she, yeah, uh, she won't, she won't go up there with me. Uh, I, and I, I don't really want to drag her up there, but I, I haven't gone up on top of a peak in a while. And I just, uh, I just like set my phone up on a little rock or something. And, um, some of those things are like, uh, like, like what is it called a freeze frame or from the video so i'll just let the video run and then do a move or whatever and then come down and grab it um yeah you just you just stand on your head on one hand on top of a mountain yeah (laughs) yeah okay (laughs) all right um don't try this at home folks uh but is the uh is the is the gym are you able to is effectively is that turning into any kind of an outreach, would you say? Well, uh, yeah, I think so. I mean, you know, something that I that I learned was, especially in teaching school, was that everybody comes to the table with their worldview, no matter, you know, what kind of business you're in or what kind of job you have or, or whatever you're doing in life. And so that just kind of emanates from what we do and how we do it and stuff like that. I mean, we try to do it with good quality. We've got a... Uh, we just started a, a guys gymnastics team. We have a cheer team, um, which, which incorporates acrobatics and tumbling. And we, uh, we're always trying to, like I said, do things with good quality. And our, our mission is to have it be a community, family-oriented kind of place. And so in, in that context, uh, because there's so many folks and the relationships are being built and stuff, there's all kinds of good conversation that happens. So, I mean, I love it, and uh, and I and I think so. You know, uh, and in fact, there was a couple of guys that that came out to visit me, uh, Nathan McPherson and Rick Small, over at the gym, and uh, you know, just chit chat, and then we got a bite to eat afterwards. So, uh, yeah, I think it's it's a good place for that kind of stuff. So now, people who frequent your business have to sign a, a an insurance release, I presume. Oh, of course, yeah, yeah, just like anywhere. Uh, now, you're also a martial artist, is that correct? Yeah, that's what I, I grew up doing, um, just uh, competing uh, around the state of Texas, uh, did some, uh, like, acrobatic and forms competition and fighting competition, and, and uh, kind of got into some of the acrobatic side of things, and that led into breakdancing and then and gymnastics-oriented training. Um, and I, and I was doing that as well as kind of getting into the mixed martial arts and the, uh, Muay Thai and, and, uh, Jiu Jitsu. But I, I left that stuff behind just because, kind of ethically, like, uh, 
You know, I, I couldn't, I couldn't continue going and seeking out competition where that might be someone's father standing across the ring for me. You know what I'm saying? So, um, but so I just kind of put all my eggs into the basket of acrobatics and just just kept training from there. Interesting. Uh, did you ever uh, have any uh, any uh, interaction, or have you ever talked with uh, as 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 fellow martial artists uh, with Jeff Durbin? I know he did a lot of choreography for uh, uh, the uh, I think it was Mortal Kombat. Road yeah, road it was like that. It's kind of funny. Like uh, a couple of years ago, we went down to his church for the God and Government uh, uh, conference thing that they put on. Um, but but prior to that, I was like, man, that, that name sounds familiar. And I looked it up, and then I was like, oh yeah, you know. He, and I, I saw that he did some of the same kind of competitions that I did uh, in a different. It was a different league or whatever it's called. Um, but I remember seeing some of his videos back in the day from time to time. Okay. Uh, the reason, one of the reasons why in particular, uh, and I want to ask you another question before we get on to that the issue of your recent article, yeah. uh, which I thought was really well done, and I liked it better after the rewrite. But, uh, I appreciate and, it. And, 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 of course, you know, a lot of these uh, concepts that we're talking about, whether it's Joel or, Bojadar, whoever may be discussing things, Gary North, Rush Dooney, sometimes these things are an acquired taste. You don't just – sometimes you get it straight out of, out of the gate, but sometimes you have, to, you have to ruminate on it a while before it really begins to, to uh, grow legs and, um, and make sense to you. But uh, what is – I mean, obviously, there's a lot of mystique that surrounds – just living in Alaska because it's such a vast uh, place and, as you said, so uh, undomesticated, relatively speaking. Uh, what is What does being a Christian Reconstructionist uh, in your environments look like? What does it involve? Uh, you, you, we, in our free uh, interview, talk, you know, I, I, we, you, you identified yourself as an abolitionist and a, and a reconstructionist, which uh, those are both two dangerous terms yes, to, sure to, to label yourself as. But what is it, what is it, I don't want to mean to sound oversimplistic uh, or naive, but I could say, well, what does it look like to be a, a Christian in Alaska? And you could say to me, well, it's the same as it looks like to be a Christian in Florida. Yeah, but, uh, what but what opportunities uh, are you are you finding fertile ground? Are you and your wife do you have uh, uh, have you considered uh, firing up a home fellowship, or how are you leveraging off the relationships you're making through your community uh, gymnastics and tumbling programs to? Uh, to uh, sound out people for uh, the tenets of both abolition and Christian Reconstruction. Okay, so I guess I guess first of all, it's kind of like if the shoe fits, and like I, I don't think I've ever I don't think I've ever like straight up called myself an abolitionist or 
a reconstruction here. Like, frankly, I'm still trying to figure out all this stuff. And, um, like, for the longest time, ever since I was a kid, I've always had just something just didn't feel right about, like, the institutions. Like, you know, just you can name whatever institution. It just never it never felt right. And then as I, as I grew into the faith and just learning and stuff, it was like this thing after thing just clicked, you know, and, uh, and I, you know, I, I was listening to, uh, uh, James White's, uh, debates and everything, and that kind of got me into the Reformed theology and just like things just making sense, you know, and then, and then, uh, like post-millennialism and then theonomy came along, I was like, man, what the heck? And it, everything was just making sense. It was like, this worldview makes sense. And it, and it really has application to everything. And so, um, and then there'll be like, you know, little things that just stick out. And I, and I got caught up in, uh, covenanterism for a little bit, just trying to figure out, is this legit? You know, and, and so, you know, like with, with all of that as a, as a background, like I'm just, like I said, just trying to figure it out. And a lot of this stuff is just talking to people and, People, if you, I, I feel like if you use those certain words like abolitionist, like you said, reconstructionist, it's like a scary word, you know, it's a trigger word almost. Yeah. yeah. Like even reformed or whatever, or, or like predestination. I mean, that's that's a crazy trigger word. And so, I think really, like up here in Alaska, it's no different than what we than the, what's called the lower 48, you know, down south. Um. Probably a lot, probably more liberal in certain areas down there, but it's kind of like microcosmic up here. So it's it's really similar. We've got a lot of the same kind of like what I talked about in the in that article that you mentioned, like Armenian stuff and seeker sensitive stuff. There's a lot of watered down type of stuff, and so like figuring out trying to have those conversations with folks, whether it's like leaders or or just friends and stuff. I mean, the, the conversations will take a lot of different forms, but it's really, really just relational, just like discipleship type stuff. And uh, sometimes it's super well received, and you can see, man, like the Holy Spirit's just working on them, and they're opening, you know, they're, they're having their eyes open, and it's just clicking, and, and then everything just lights up, you know. And then other, unfortunately, it's like meltdown, you know. So, I'm, I mean, I'm sure you've had similar kind of discussions, but ultimately, like, bottom line to your question is, really ain't that different because people are people. Uh, evidently, you know, your article that you recently, uh, and, and we want to point people, we want to point people to your, your website or your, uh, your blog, um, called Gospel Jitsu, and you recently wrote, an article that I posted that I shared because I thought it was uh, pretty much in sync with a lot of what's been developing and a, a critical expose on uh, the modern evangelical what passes for church religion dispensary we call them uh, some people have called it therapeutic deism uh, That's good. <laughs> um, but uh, and other names too, and, and of course, because we've even dared to to talk like this, we come under the charge of hating the church. And I'd say no, we just hate the way 
Americans tend to do church. <laughs> My sense is, if I, took, if I could take the pulse of the article, that article was born out of personal experience and frustration. Well, yeah, I mean, we all come to, to uh, like anything we do with our with our own personal history, and so you know, every everybody has to deal with that, and and uh, that's that's the impetus to whatever we write or do or say. So there's a lot of that in there, um, and I think uh, you know, starting off in um, starting off in the Church of Christ, the Christian Church non-denominational type stuff, independent churches, a little bit of a little bit of a, a Pentecostalism, I guess, in the, in the real early beginnings, and then dispensationalism and, you know, stuff that I didn't even know the, the terms to, like way back, and then kind of journeying through all the way to the fully other opposite end of the spectrum, um, it's... Uh, it's like, you know, having that history will be a little bit different than somebody who's been a Presbyterian like most of their life or, or something like that. And so, like, I'm bringing sort of all of that and, and you know, working, because I was a youth pastor in the Methodist Church and I got a seminary degree from a, from a Church of Christ seminary. And, uh, and then, you know, a bunch of friends and online friends and stuff in the Reconstructionist world. So, like, it's really scattered, and so a lot of that is like present within that article. So I know I got one uh, one critique from someone saying that I was attacking strawman, and I was thinking, not really, because all of this stuff is relevant. It's relevant to me at least, and uh, you know this makes up the preponderance of churches. So like when I'm talking about churches, I, I don't want to just talk talk about a reformed church or or. Uh, you know, Baptist church or whatever. It's like I'll talk about everything, and uh, and I guess that's where I was coming from in there. So, well, it's, it's, well I think I think uh, reformed. You know, obviously, I think it's, I think uh, if you haven't read it, or if our listeners haven't aren't familiar with the essay by Bojidar Marinoff, uh, who's the man everybody seems to love to hate. Uh, I personally think he's a prophetic voice in a in a dry in a, in a dry spiritual desert. Uh, but Tulip is not enough. I think it's probably in his Restoring Christendom website. But it's Tulip is not enough. In other words, reform doesn't mean Calvinist. Reform means Kingdom of God. And uh, and and um, and in that respect, you know, I think people who purport to be reformed. You know, they've got their soteriological ducks in a row. They're, they call themselves Calvinists, and that's great. They they understand God's sovereignty uh, in salvation as in everything else, and so that, that's good as far as it goes. But to what end? In really many cases, these Reformed denominations and, and congregations open themselves up to criticism because, quite frankly, there are many... Christian groups that have perhaps their theology is not up to speed, but they do far more in terms of faithful obedience and ministry with what they've got. How old, how old of a, a, a brother are you, Lee? I'm in my 30s. 
Okay, so you haven't you haven't uh, even seen the wall, much less hit it. That's what's one of the the, the funnest things about the gym. I think is uh, is uh, kind of like smashing smashing the idea that age matters. And I um, like one of our best athletes there is approaching fifty. He makes the the teams look like nothing, um, and it, it's awesome, you know. And just like training and getting out there and doing what you got to do to succeed, and that's that's what I love. And uh, it, and it's you know it's kind of like what you're saying, you know what what a, what does a person do with what they have? And I think that's so important, you know, because um, we we we're not we don't have everything. Uh, God gives us like each a little bit, and we all have our own struggles. Sometimes people will see those struggles on the outside. Sometimes those struggles are on the inside. And uh, and working and working hard and doing the best with what God gave us, that's that's the most important thing that we can do. Well, it, it's where I was going and where I was thinking is the fact that a person who who demands excellence from himself, like you evidently do, and you don't strike me as an individual who at least physically – accepts defeat very very readily. In other words, you see obstacles as opportunities, and and it seems like you have you have high standards for yourself. You probably uh, demand high standards of your students, which I, I which in a manner of speaking, not to be self serving, but I think I think that segues into Christian reconstruction or an optimal optimistic uh, expectation of the of of, of the future. Because I think in many cases, pietistic American Christianity, I call it evangelicals, uh, uh, have basically accepted mediocrity. They've accepted the status quo. They're basically, their goal is to, is to make themselves as comfortable as they can until Jesus comes back for them. As opposed to a, uh, a, a an approach to the future that says, uh, Christ's kingdom will be extended to all the corners of the earth, and my job while I live is to be a part of that uh, that that process, that endeavor. And that's not for lazy people. I mean, one the thing about post-millennialism, um, you know, having an optic, you know, biblical, I think a biblical uh, eschatology, is that it's that it, you're either going to always be beating yourself up because you're not doing uh, more, or are you going to be doing more? I mean, it's, it, it doesn't. Uh, if you're going to be consistent, and you're not going to be, if you're not going to be always branding yourself a heretic, uh, you're busy. Now, the good news is, is that because you have a holistic worldview, you, under, you rightly understand. That everything you do is worship, if it's done to the glory of Jesus Christ. And so, you're, whether it's whether it's reading your children a story, or whether it's doing maintenance around your house or business, or whether it's working on a routine, or whether it's uh, spend you know on a date with your with your uh, your bride, uh, whatever you do, whether in thought, word, or deed, do it all to the glory of God. Uh, but we do have, but there is a particular cut to our sales. Reconstructionists uh, understand that if we're going to be consistent, if we're going to be obedient to what we believe, 
they're going to be busy people. Mm-hmm. It, yeah, it's, it's not uh, for lazy people. Yeah, it's, it's it's hard work. You know, like Christianity is hard work, and you know we can't. Uh, I guess we can't accept exit sign theology. I guess, and uh, you know that's I think what a lot of churches do, and that's like a big complaint is that it's it doesn't really amount to anything, and it's just waiting. It's just waiting. It's like sitting and waiting. And, you know, there's there's a lot more to it than that. And not that things can't be fun and that, you know, you have those times where you're just enjoying life and stuff and, and chilling out somewhere. But, yeah, there's got to be the other side, too. And, uh, you know, I think that gets lost sometimes. Now, part of your uh, part of your life experience, your family's experience, I should say, not just yours, but your wife and family's. How many children do you have, Lee? One right now. One? Yeah. Okay. Well, they know what causes it, so there's still hope for you. <laughs> but um, uh, evidently, part of your and why, the, again, going back to the article, uh, you and your wife, your your attempts to find or to assimilate into a congregation that was proved to be unfruitful are a waste of time and effort. Many would say that, well, if you think that going to church is a waste of time or effort, you need to check your heart. You're in sin. Yeah. What would you? How yeah. would you respond to that? I'd say uh, read my article. <laughs> Um, I don't think, I don't think that, that, that anything, like, we have our human lingo, right? But in the bigger picture, nothing is a waste of time because God is using everything. And so a lot of conversations, even in the place that, that you think is the most dry, is going to have, it, 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 those conversations are not going to return void. And, uh, I've seen good results from some stuff. Um, like in our in our manner of thinking, well, we don't know what it'll be five years, ten years, or five hundred years down down the road. What those little things that we thought were nothing or meaningless or waste of time will amount to. So, like you know, on the one hand, there's the, there's the yeah, man, these you know these churches stink, you know, just kind of that frustration. Um, and then on the other hand, there's the the idea that, well, no, like, everyone's people and everyone's hearing messages and words and and there's, you know, God's providence happening, too. And then, also, like, like I said, I read the article, there's, there's a distinction between churches and God's kingdom and his elect and his, and his church. It's two different things. And so what you see on the street corner isn't necessarily the church. And so... Um, and then, you know, does the Bible mandate having to go and attendance and all that stuff? So, there, you know, there's some more details in there, too, that need to be kind of investigated a little bit more and not just accepted as a status quo or because a creed says such and such. Yeah, I think of individual congregations as a fort or an outpost. If you've got a government in control of a territory, then it's uh, common that they're going to have at various different intervals across the landscape, uh, outposts, either a place for trade or shelter or military uh, domicile and expeditions, but something, and that represents the 
the administration of that government's rule over that area that they're the law that they are they're provided they're maintaining the peace and taking responsibility and oversight for what happens in that territory in that respect uh, individual congregations or assemblies uh, ought to be thinking of themselves in that same way as outposts of the king who rules that domain which is Jesus Christ and as such their opportunity is not to hunker down in their own defense but that they're engaged in expeditions going outside the walls and surveying and and mining and developing the resources of the land and helping people settle and plant new outposts until the earth is filled with the knowledge of God as the water covers the sea uh, and which is everywhere and so that's the problem is that uh, church seems a lot like big business doesn't it yeah totally uh, you know, if you if you look at any uh, Christian bookstore or um, Barnes and Noble, and then you go to the places and you go to leadership conferences, and, and it's it is like that. You know, I'm wondering uh, if there might not even be, and this is probably a principle that that perva- is pervasive in life, much in the same way we talk about. I'm sure that you're a fitness uh, because you're a fitness. Guru, you're also a health you're a, you're a, a health guru as well. I mean, you can be fit and not healthy, and you can be healthy and not fit. Uh, mm-hmm. But you're, pro- I suspect you're probably both. And uh, of course, uh, it's been widely asserted that that um, organized medicine is an industry, and, and that and that they don't see, for instance, cancer. These various different. Uh, uh, Conditions, they don't see them as diseases to be cured, but as industries to be, to be exploited or to be manipulated. And so, in much the same way, one wonders, uh, if, if organized religion as it's become popularized in the United States, and I presume in much the same way in Canada and, and Alaska as well, uh, if they're the cure, if they are the solution, then what's the problem? Because if they're, if the you're saying if the if the churches are are the cure, yeah, yeah, if they're the cure. What's the problem? Because because you know a, 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 an hour or ninety minutes one day a week and sitting through this, you know, sitting with strangers. And then, you know, obviously enduring the drive to and from and, and maybe going out and maybe going, you know, the, the question is, is, uh, you know, when I, when I read Ephesians and it says, and, and, and the Holy Spirit gives gifts, he said, and he gave some to be his pop, apostles and prophets and missionaries and evangelists and teachers, uh, for the equipping of the saints for the work of service. Mm-hmm. Uh, that, that these that these offices, these gifts of these offices, apostle, prophet, pastor, teacher, evangelist, if 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 that is, their their role is to equip the saints, not to do the work, but to train the saints to do the work. Yeah. In other words, the key is not to do the work in ten minutes to train ten men to do the work, and. And and so I'm saying that if the 
church as it meets regularly with their big edifices, their buildings, the plants, church plants, and programs, if they're purporting, if they're offering themselves as the as the solution, or as, then my question is, is I'm wondering what they think the problem is, because I don't see what they're what they're actually looking at the landscape and looking at culture, since culture is our barometer. Uh, it's religion externalized. Uh, I'm not sure if you look at the state of affairs in our culture, then it's not clear to me that church is anything more than entertainment yeah. or self-esteem building. Yeah, that's what it. Yeah, and yeah, I see. I see what you're putting together, and to, to tie to tie it back to the the healthcare industry, like you were talking about. You know, yeah. Uh, all big pharma and you know the, the people on the, the board of the FDA are the ones also doing uh, uh, on the I guess the, the CEOs and stuff of the people that are creating the medicines and and you know they're all uh, patting each other's pockets and stuff and so it's a uh, I guess people people sometimes call it a conspiracy where it's not really to to, to make anybody better it's just to kind of keep them. Uh, in that place to where they can be making money, and they're, they're, you can definitely make the parallel with the with church that um, it's it's almost like people are not thinking about it or you know pastors and preachers are not thinking about it as in terms of that people can actually be cured or that they are cured and that they're the ones that have the remedy and you know to go out and into service like you're talking about. Or, or, that there, or that there will ever come a time when they won't need your services. Yeah, yeah, because it's yours. So, yeah, in other words, um, in other words, if you're once you're ready to fly on your own, Mama Bird says, "Hey, it's time to find your own nest." You know. Yeah. But and not, and not to say that sanctification is complete, and you know, everyone is just a, like every Christian is just walking around as a little as a little god or something because that's ridiculous. But yeah, I mean, you know, you, a, a preacher that's focused on just teaching, you know, a huge crowd, or even if it's a small crowd and there's newcomers, and you're thinking about all that stuff all the time, and not even, not even, um, you know, looking at them maybe in the best light possible, that they're they're not trying to be malicious or anything. They're just looking out for something that they've accepted all their lives, and they're just being the pastor that they always thought was the, the biblical model of a pastor. And they're just, but they can only they can only say so much in 60 minutes or 90 minutes or whatever. And then, like the rest of the people, they're going to get all that, and then they're going to start learning on their own. They're going to read. They're going to listen. They're going to fellowship in their own ways and stuff. And yeah, it will evolve, and people are going to start jumping out the nest and flying. And I think that, especially with the internet and everybody having this discussion now in, in, in our little circle, you know, um, it's, it's going to start to make that more apparent. And I, I hope that the that the biblical theology comes out and people don't get, you know, hooked on their traditions and stuff because, like, they just need to let that stuff go. Well, I mean, I don't think there's anything wrong with tradition in, in, implicitly. But uh, but they need to be obviously they need to they need to support the mission and yeah. and and what's oftentimes what's starting to come out now is that 
the the mission is not church. The mission is kingdom. Right. And can I can I take a step back too? Because I don't want I don't want anyone to think that I don't like tradition um, or or anything like that. I mean, I, I'm what I'm saying is that that there has to be flexibility and liberty, and that's something um, that I talk about in the article is that that the gospel provides liberty, not just, you know, exchanging one form of tyranny, you know, addiction to sin or whatever, for another form of tyranny where you're, you have to go to church every Sunday and that's the only way you can be a Christian. Um, there, it's it's got to take a lot of different forms because um, it's not about building a collective like the Tower of Babel, and that was destroyed. It's, it's about spreading the gospel out and you can't spread things out if everybody's in the same place doing the same thing Sunday after Sunday or whatever the tradition might be but some of those traditions could be really cool though and people like it and enjoy it and stuff and that's part of that liberty too so you know it goes it it covers all of it well you know one of the things that I have found is that uh, is in some respects people who oftentimes have historically classified themselves as conservatives are really terrified of real of giving people real freedom and we talk about the gospel that you know the law that brings freedom the, the law of liberty uh, the law of Christ uh, there's a lot of there's a lot of talk about freedom but at some level people who are oftentimes in positions of leadership slash authority are are the mind that yeah a little freedom is good but don't get carried away with it you know it's like yeah yeah and and, and what I'm seeing and, and and I don't know that I would say this is new perspectives on Reconstruction or I mean it'll undoubtedly the people at pulpit and Ken and others will give us will give us a name and will be called cultic but there's something to be said for uh, intuitive Christianity. In the sense that, okay, you know, Jesus prayed to the Father that he would sanctify his disciples with the truth. And we are told to have this mind in you which also was in Christ Jesus. And we're told to be imitators of God as dearly loved children. And so as we have the mind of Christ, it stands to reason, doesn't it, Lee, that we ought to be developing by the Holy Spirit through using the Word as the primary spiritual nutrients we need to build spiritual muscle, we ought to be developing the ability and the inclination to do the right thing in any given situation as we uh, have the mind of Christ, as our sanctification becomes more consistent and more thorough, and as we uh, as we put sin to death in ourselves more and more, then it's it's reasonable although we we're not we don't believe in sinless perfection we do believe that it is reasonable in fact we would think there was something wrong uh if children uh still at at at, at 12 were still acting like children at 2 uh, we would we would expect them to be to be making better decisions better choices uh, taking more responsibility uh that's part of maturity and that's the goal of the ministry is to raise up uh, people who 
need milk as young infants, but who graduate to meat. And then they're able to go out and kill their own meat. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and, and so, and so, um, uh, what I'm, I, I, as I was thinking of, of sort of like a freedom, I'm thinking, you know, I oftentimes refer to myself as an organic Christian reconstructionist, meaning that I didn't read all of the books by Rush Dooney and North and Bonson and, and all of the writers and then say, yeah, I agree with that. Uh, I already had inclinations and, 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 and perceptions about things. And then when I came upon, across their teaching, I thought, this is what I've been thinking about. There was a sense of rightness to it. In other words, it's, and not, again, not, not, overstressing feelings, but to say, but it felt right, it sounded right, it resonated, it, like you said earlier. Oh, yeah. And and so in that res- res- in, in that sense, uh, you have to be able to trust people, and you have to be able to trust God with people, and saying, okay, God, you're in control, and this individual belongs to you. I don't need to try to monitor everything that comes out of their mouth or every thought they think and try to force it back into the, some mold that's been constructed, but I need to trust you to lead your people in freedom and what that looks like. And, and we're, we're running into a lot of this now in terms of some of the Sabbath-related discussions mm-hmm. where, pe- where people uh, are fellow Christians are willing to tell you, well, no, we don't have, we don't have the death penalty for first table offenses. But if we did, yes, you should be stoned <laughs> because you didn't. You, you, you're not a member of a of a religious uh, co-op, uh, or you didn't attend your religious uh, dispensary, your religion dispensary last week, or you've missed the last six weeks, or what have you, or because you've or because you've opted to meet in your living room with a couple of family friends and your children. You know what's crazy is that, like, if, 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 if the folks that I know and, you know, my, my friends just on a day-to-day, if, if they heard, like, this podcast, you know, they might, um, and they hear, like, that, like, we're talking about capital punishment for Sabbath breaking, you know, they, they think we're crazy just for having a conversation. You know, that's crazy. Uh, you know, and... Like uh, that, the, that the depth of Christianity um, on the on the norm doesn't broach that level, and it, and that's just basic, like you know, first couple of books of the Bible, and you're getting into that stuff. But to not be able to have that conversation and really flesh that stuff out, you know, in covenantal terms and ethical judicial language and stuff, um, you know, that's that's tough because yeah 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 now lest anybody misunderstands what we're saying we're not calling for that we're saying that many people would right. give us that if we had a lot of our christian brothers on a jury and we were being charged with violating the sabbath because we worshiped at home or because we stayed in and rested after a grueling week uh uh or what have you um are we traveled to take a family vacation. I mean, I mean now obviously, you know, that's one of the most frequent complaints that American pastors have 
is that uh, giving takes a, d a dive and participation in programs takes a dive when people take their family vacations. Well, for people mm -hmm. taking their family vacations, I say good for them. Yeah, I know you folks know? haven't gone for, for 30 years if they haven't gone on a vacation or whatever. And yeah, yes, yeah, straight up, they, you know, that's good for them. Um, and yeah, and totally, like, uh, like, you know, we're not advocating that, um, but just the fact that, uh, like, having that conversation and talking about that in terms of the, the people out there that, that, that believe that way, and that that's an actual doctrinal issue, um, because it is like the reconstruction world is a, is a small world right now. And, uh, you know, if you went to any, any church in the corner, um, or ask any pastor, hey, why such and such? I, I don't know if the, if the answers, um, would have any merit anyways. And so, like, why are people insisting on going and attending those places whenever the theology can't even account for those kinds of things and ethics and law and the state and stuff like that? Yeah, and there are many people, people we call friends who would be aghast at, 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 to hear us saying that, uh, that by submitting yourself to ecclesiastical tyranny, we're in effect violating the commandment to, to become, to not become, you know, we've been free. Don't, don't submit yourself again to tyranny or to, to slavery. You know, right. uh, we've been, you know, Christ sets you free for freedom. He didn't set you free to go back into, into some sort of bondage now to men with clerical collars. And, and I've, I've talked to, to adults who are like, yeah, I'm a, I'm a baby Christian. And, and they say that for years. And they're, they're okay with going to the, to the steeples and, and listening to the sermons and stuff. And I just wonder, like, what do, what do you think? Because I think it's easy to say, well, pastors just want to, you know, they, they're just making their – their paycheck, but why do you think they're they're okay with just having their crowd and preaching like that, like week after week after week, especially if they've had conversations like this? And well, it reminds it reminds me it reminds me Lee of cases where various different quote unquote junk food chains have been forced to beef up their menu and put in a, a healthier selection. I'm not to say that it's still not full of GMOs and, 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 and all that, but they as people have become more health conscious, these 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 food chains, if you want to call it food, uh, have been forced to modify and change and even drop certain items from their menu or to add whole new menu uh, categories because people have demanded a healthier uh, cuisine or a fair or selection for their families and the the the, the it, it's for people in their in their congregation in their denominations to to demand uh, you know it, it, it's it, it's kind of you get pictures of the scene from the prison movie where the guys are raking their cups across the bars uh, and they're complaining about the, 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 the horrible food they're being served. And and they they're gonna go on a hunger strike until they start getting better food, and uh, which seems sort of self defeating. But anyway, well, I see, I see it, it's like it's like Christians need to go on hunger strikes, 
and started hey, maybe that's, better food. Maybe that's that's what it is. Like I I think in a capitalistic in a capitalistic situation, I think McDonald's is definitely post mill. And uh like yeah, thinking about what they might become in a hundred years. I don't know, maybe they'll be full vegan and all organic or something. Uh, that'd be cool. But um I wonder do you think that that's that that's possible for the way the church is right now, or do you think it's 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 gonna go through a complete overhaul like Reformation style? Well, if people are asking me my opinion, um okay. I I personally I tie a lot getting back hooking back a little bit to the abolition move, movement in the question earlier. I really hang America's fate on the issue of systematic state sanctioned church accepted child sacrifice. I don't believe we have a future as a nation unless uh, Christians uh, unite and demand an end to this and, and willing to back up our demands with our own life and uh our uh in our in, in our possessions. In other words, we're not willing to uh do what early Christians did and put it all on the line and sacrifice their their names, their livelihood, their lives, their sacred honor to the to 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 the application of God's law to this systemic injustice. I don't think if we don't I think if we don't abolish abortion, God will abolish America. Now, obviously, if, if we do it, it, it's God who did it. Uh, uh, I'm not uh, discounting. I'm not, I'm not discounting either the sovereignty of God nor the responsibility of man. Uh, they're both true. Uh, but uh, so, what this com- company or that company might do, you know, when the house—I I use this analogy, Lee—when the house is on fire, everything else is second priority. I don't care whether it's dinner time, whether it's bedtime. Uh, when the house is on fire, it needs it's an all hands evolution to extinguish that fire and to save the home and the family in it. And I look at America today, whether you want to use the analogy of a house on fire or a Titanic uh, that's already struck the iceberg. Uh, I believe that if if that's why I, 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 I ascribe so much importance to uh, the church's response to the exhortations of abolitionists everywhere. That if, we, if we don't end, if we don't end this, not only can we not expect God's blessings, I think we can expect God's um, negative sanctions, uh, and, and and it will be and, and so our, the few our. our not only the future of our families, the future of our, our, our nation, everything we know is at stake. Now, that's just me. That's my that's my take on it. Uh, and of course, there. And I think that. Go ahead. I'm sorry. Go go ahead. Well, when abortion is abolished, there'll be other evils that will need to be tackled until every enemy of Christ is brought under his feet. But. Uh, this isn't the end. This is just the beginning. Yeah, and I and I think that what you're what you're saying and bringing bringing that back to my mind is 
um, Rick Small and Nathan, um, they were they were talking to me about the the abortion situation and and that biblically and you know in in front of God's eyes um, uh, the the blood of the innocent defiles the land and then there's there's national consequences as a result if that's not fixed and so yeah I I see I see what you're saying and uh, it makes a lot of sense um, sometimes I wonder if it's the way in which people are going about it. And I think it's awesome. Like when I see some of the videos and stuff of the guys like rolling up to the uh, to the governor's mansion and these other places and, and delivering these letters and doing their, uh, their their activism and stuff, that's awesome. You know, that's like prophetic. Um, but I'm all, I also wonder if uh, when you have 80 to 90% of a nation's population being government educated, if that's going to even make a difference, because the way I see it, um, you know, it's it's about discipleship, like grassroots. I think we agree on that. And if the if the soil is so hardened, then because of state-run education and all that stuff, and because of the worldview that's given to the to the kids, the children and stuff coming up. Um, that's not the message isn't going to be taken hold no matter how strong or persuasive or or whatever it is. So sometimes I think, just personally with my background as a teacher and stuff, like mission number one is getting rid of government school, and and then yeah, you know, I think you're 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 very you're making a really good point, and and the question is, is have we already run have what? In other words, in other words, you know, it's great when you, when, when in a game, in a, in, a, in, a, in a contest, athletic contest, when after watching the other team for three quarters, the coach and the, and the quarterback get together and decide that they need to pull out some pl- new plays that they haven't used before or in a while, whatever, and they say, you know, this is going to work. Well, that, it would if you had still had three quarters, but now you're down to one quarter. Really? And, yeah. and, and have you run the clock out? Now, it could happen. Yes, again, you know, I, I can foresee a, a, a scenario like this, Lee, where abolitionists hit the wall, the hammer drops, Christians clam up and shut up and sit down and do what they're told, and then God drops the hammer on America. And it will be left to a future generation of Christians who uh, who universally homeschool and raise up a new generation. It might be, you know, it's a lot easier to uh, affect the attitude of the population when you've only got a couple of million left alive after a holocaust than you do when you have 350 million like we do now. Uh, so, I, I, either way, I believe that, that 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 change is coming, that hard times are coming, and that. But in the end, uh, you know, being post millennial, I believe that Christ will have dominion, and um, the bride will be perfected and made beautiful, and will rise up to her God-given a, a responsibility in time. Whether we're going to see it in our lifetime or in the next 
generation, the jury's still out. But if abortion is going, and Gary North, again, I've, I've said this several times on several previous podcasts, Gary North makes the, the, the important point, as you did, is that the problem is ultimately not abortion. It's the worldview. It's a worldview that says abortion is even thinkable. And you're right. Uh, you could change all the laws tomorrow, but if culture is religion externalized, uh, how, can, you know, how can that happen with virtually every judge, every legislator uh, has been indoctrinated in Caesar school and is, and is, uh, and is fully following uh, Caesar's doctrine. Uh, and, and, and so how, you know, how can you, how can you affect change? Uh, you know, we, we always say that, Re- that reformation is bottom up, not top down, and yet we're we're looking for a wholesale change in how uh, uh, the culture acts uh, on this matter. And, and uh, so, these are all questions that you know, we're just kicking around. Uh, we didn't have any particular agenda, but I do, and, and presumably by the time this podcast air, which will probably be next week, by that time, you know, Americans with our short attention spans, that your your article or an article that I may write today or yesterday or tomorrow will be forgotten. It will be buried somewhere down on your Facebook page. But I, but I encourage you to go check out Lee's blog, uh, Gospel Jitsu, and check out the article, uh, Milk Tyrants, Pokedoms, Milk Tyrant Pokedoms. And, you know, uh, I'm not saying the best course of action is to take it to your pastor because the very fact that you're even reading such seditious and revolutionary Dribble may get may be an, may be enough to get you brought before the elders. Uh, and uh, but I thought it was I thought it was particularly potent, well written. It was pithy. It was insightful, and it has you know a lot of us could have written it uh, in the sense that we we probably have had some of the same impressions. But Lee did write it, and so I'm going to ask you to go to his website, Gospel Jitsu, and check it out. Uh, Lee, I appreciate you for joining us, gospeljitsu.com. Yeah, that's the address, and, uh, and it was it was a nice time uh, chatting with you. Um, thanks for inviting me to, to be on your show and stuff. Well, you're quite welcome, and folks, we thank all of you for joining us today on The War Room. Thank you for joining us in The War Room. Please enjoy the nation's rage, Psalm 2, by my soul among lions. Why do the nations rage? 